Hi, and welcome to the latest episode of Angles, the Angular Advisors podcast. Today, we're going to take a peek behind the curtain into the world of credit, credit agencies, credit scores, and it's a world that is very different from what most of us think it is. I talked to Anthony Davenport, the founder of Regal Credit Management, and we talked about exactly how the credit agencies work, what a credit score means, how to improve a credit score, or how to get one if you haven't got one in place so far. This can be particularly useful if you're just entering the workforce, if you are coming out of a marriage where the credit has all been with an ex-spouse, or particularly if you're a foreign national who's just arriving in the U.S. with no credit history up to this point. What I got most out of this talk with Anthony was that what most of us think about the credit agencies, credit scores, and how they judge you is wrong. Indeed, in some cases, it's completely counterintuitive to what you might think. You're going to hear great examples from Anthony about how the credit agencies make their decisions, what goes into a credit score, what you can do if you run into credit issues, and how to develop that credit. This is one of the most interesting and informative podcasts I've done so far. So sit back, listen, and enjoy Anthony Davenport explaining the sometimes crazy world of credit. Hey, Anthony. Hey, Simon. Good to speak with you. You too. Thanks a lot for coming on. I think this is going to be an interesting podcast. Um, so you're out in uh, La La Land, right? Yeah, we have uh, we have offices in New York and LA, and I I tend to spend the summers out in the less humid part of the world. Yeah, less humid, but a little more fiery right now. Yeah, that's true. You got to avoid fire and earthquakes, but uh, you know you'll take your chances with that over the, the sure thing of humidity. We're going to talk about credit here. Anthony, just um, tell me up front or tell our listeners up front um, what it is you do, what kind of company you run, and we'll we'll come back to uh, how to get in touch with you towards the end. But just explain a little bit about Regal Financial. Yeah, so we began eight years ago with the aim of helping people manage and understand their credit. I was a banker for about 10 years at places like Bank of America and Wells Fargo. And now I'm atoning for my sins by educating people on how this strange world of credit works, uh, especially in terms of repairing their credit, removing late payments and stuff like that, building their credit for when they're, they're new to the world of credit, and then also protecting their credit, like really actually protecting it, not just monitoring it. So... I'm not going to buy a house in the next two years. Why should I care about my credit score? So the, the weird thing about credit is it's not being used as it was initially intended. The whole system is now being used to measure nearly every aspect of your financial life. So credit scores, they're not just being used to whether you're buying a home or a car, but now 70% of employers look at your credit and even your home and auto insurance policies are looking at your credit scores to determine what kind of 
uh, rate you're going to get. And the reason for them is they can say, well, if you have a low credit score, you're more likely to be a risky person. You know, I don't know any correlation between, you know, a credit score and how safe a driver is, but that's something they're using. And really it all comes down to money because they can, they can take someone who is not a risk, makes a lot of money, but if they have a lower FICO score, they can say, ah, now we've got you and you have to pay us more money regardless of whether you're actually a risk or not. So you have to pay attention to your credit because it's being used in all of these other different ways. And a very key thing to point out is one in five credit reports have serious issues on them that are errors and mistakes made by the credit bureaus. As you know, they don't actually do a good job of what they're supposed to do. So they leave it really up to you to figure it out. And you don't want to figure it out when it's too late. So you've got a situation where more and more people are looking at a credit score to determine more and more pieces of information. And yet what they're looking at is in many, many cases, flawed, wrong, um, and, 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 and can damage your, uh, your standing in their eyes. Is that right? hundred percent. It can, it can really hurt you. And, you know, we, we got an article coming out soon that gets into how much it can hurt you. And we, figured out how much it costs someone who has just an average credit score doing an average sort of thing in America. And I'm not talking about like buying a penthouse in Manhattan. I'm talking about Joe Blow in the middle of Kentucky, who's buying a house and doing all that stuff. And we figured out that just being average, it will cost you an extra several hundred thousand dollars over the course of your lifetime versus someone who has an A-plus FICO score. So this is real money that adds up. That's real money. I mean, that's the kind of money that financial advisors are, uh, you know, expected to generate for their clients, and it can all be just blown through something like this. But let's, right. let's look at the sort of other end of the spectrum. Um, what, does, what does a perfect credit profile look like? That's a great question because it's one that no one has ever been taught in school or by their parents. And it's because you're not meant to know what the lending institutions are actually looking for. Um, but in short, the perfect profile has between five and seven trade lines. And a trade line is anything that reports to the credit bureaus. So like a credit card or a mortgage or something like that, not a utility bill. Uh, and then they want to have it open a minimum of two years, but the longer, the better. Because these are like friendships that can vouch for you. Someone who's known you for 10 years counts a lot more than someone who's known you for six months. And then you also want to have a variety of different credit types. They want to know that you can handle multiple different types of situations. So that you can handle a mortgage, but you can handle a car loan, and you can handle a student loan, and you can handle some credit cards. So they want to see a variety. And finally, they want to see that on your revolving credit card balances that you keep the, the usage of them pretty low versus the limit. So that, that ratio, the limit versus the average usage is, is, is important. It's hugely important and it's important per card. And that really hangs up a lot of people because, you know, I, I work with a lot of people that have a lot of money and their credit scores get dinged and they say, well, why I make a lot of money. I have a credit card that has a limit of $50,000 and I have to point out to them, and this is a true story, 
I, I talked to someone who is a co-owner of a major league baseball team, one of the best in the world. And he couldn't get a mortgage for a few million dollars. And to him, that was nothing. And the whole reason was because he had a gas credit card with BP, a limit of $500 on it, and it was near the max. And that alone was enough to ding his credit. And this is the card that he gave to his driver. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, true story. $500 limit could really destroy his credit even though he had credit cards with practically no limits, like black cards, you know, it, it really can hang you up that much. And it's per card because you have to remember that your, your, uh, your income and assets don't weigh into your FICO score. Gotcha. So when when you mentioned FICO score, so we're talking about a number, what are the two, um, what are the two bookends in terms of the numbers? Um, and, right. And how do you get above? It, it, I guess what I'm getting at is, is there a threshold that if you're above that threshold, you're going to be treated very, very well? There absolutely is. And, and the funny thing about it is uh, when I am teaching seminars and I ask people what's considered a great FICO score and what's considered a good FICO score, I hear all sorts of ranges because nobody really knows. So... Where you want, you know, I'll give you the range first. You have 300 on the low end. Absolutely, positively, no one has a 300 score. That would be someone whose credit is so bad they can't pay in cash. No one has that. And then on the opposite end, if you have an 850, that is the highest range that you can go up to. Nobody has an 850 score. It really doesn't matter. Even if Harry Kane had scored 18 goals in the World Cup and had won it, he still wouldn't get an 855 go score. Oh, no yeah, 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 yeah. Getting me all emotional again. I just got over that, but uh, carry on. So at any rate, the average American has about a 680 score. And what is considered to be an A+, meaning like you get the best of the best, is if you have a 740 FICO score. That is the A+. So does it matter if you have a 741 score or an 849 score? Are you essentially in the same territory? You're in the same bucket. There is no A++. So the, 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 the goal is 740+. Plus. And quite honestly, what you do after that really... Because you hear people boasting, oh, I've got an 800. I went above 800 on my credit score. And what you're saying is that doesn't actually really mean anything. As long as they're above a 740. But there's a real key, uh, there's a couple of key things around that. One is you have to remember that you technically have three FICO scores because there are three different credit bureaus. There's Equifax, which we all know about because they got hacked, <laughs> Experian, and TransUnion. And what FICO does is FICO is a whole separate company. They will analyze the data on each of those three credit bureaus and then give you a FICO score for that. So you really have three FICO scores and knowing one of them is only knowing part of the picture. And when it comes to like getting a mortgage, for example, what lenders do is they take the middle out of those three and call that your middle FICO score. And it's, it's key to note that it, it's, it's not the average. It's literally the median score. 
no matter how far they range uh, from one another, they're just going to pick the one in the middle and say, that is your score. So if you've got a 738, a 739, and a 760, you're 739. Yeah, they're going to take the 739 and say, that's you, no matter what. Interesting. Interesting. So what about people... Uh, as, as you as you know, um, my demographic of clients ranges from uh, younger professionals uh, through to foreign nationals. And what I constantly find, if you get six foreign nationals in a bar two weeks after they've arrived here, the one topic they will be bitching and moaning about is their lack of credit uh, relative to uh, the credit they were offered in their own country. So if you're a foreign national, you're right off the boat, you've got your apartment sorted out, you've got a reasonable deal with your company, quite a good salary. Uh, the wife's arrived, the kid's in school. Um, what options do you have? Well, first of all, how are you going to be treated by the credit agencies? And secondly, uh, which I'm assuming the answer to that is going to be rather negative, how do you overcome that? What's the quickest way to overcome that for somebody who's just arrived in the United States. Yeah, ironically, that's actually the first service that I created was to help people build credit when I was a, a banker still, because I saw so many people come into my office and say, I'd love to get a mortgage. I just moved here from abroad. I have good income. I have a lot of money in the bank. My credit is great in the country I come from, but I can't even get a Macy's card. So how am I going to get a mortgage? And I figured out by reading all the guidelines, the quickest way to get them to qualify for a mortgage. Um, and, and essentially, I'll, I'll give you some tips on this uh, that, you know, they're, they're mentioned in my book, too. I have a whole chapter on building credit for the newbie. Um, but but to, the short answer to your question is they're going to be treated very, very, very poorly. Um, and, and the reason for that is because the lending institutions in America, they want to know what your track record is. And they, they won't look and see how it is abroad. If they see no track record whatsoever, they don't want to be the first to try to give you money or loan you money or do anything like that. So we find a lot of problems. Or, uh, uh, they can rent an apartment without putting extra money down, sometimes a year in advance. And, you know, I know a case of a very famous celebrity who moved from London to L.A., and uh, he wanted to rent an apartment and they said, you have to pay a year in advance. And he's like, I'm famous. I'm on TV. Didn't matter. He wanted to buy a car. They said, you have to pay cash. You have no credit. And then he went to go put gas or petrol, as you would call it, in his car. And he only had a UK debit card. He sticks it in the machine and they're like, we need your zip code. And he's like, I only have a postcode. What do I do? So there's a lot of issues that they're going to run into that don't make any sense to them, even down to getting a mobile phone where they do a credit check on that. So they're, they're going to run into a whole host of issues and it's something to make them aware of before they come over if possible. But now here's a solution to that. If you have a friend that has credit established in the U S you should ask them to add you as what's called an authorized user. And an authorized user doesn't have to get issued a card. They don't have to use the card. But if it's with an institution that, that states that they will report the history to the 
authorized users credit report, it's like vouching for you and saying that you've had that line of credit just as long as the other person that you've had the same usage history and everything. And it's a very, very, very effective way to go from no credit whatsoever to having, um, you know, a, a deep history, deep, deep, great score. So you're piggybacking so off, off, off somebody who's already got credit built up. Yes. And it was originally created to help parents establish credit for their children to get it kind of around this, but it can work with a friend or relative loved one or whatever. Like we do that as a service because we see some people that say, Hey, I don't know anyone here. I'm not comfortable asking about that. Um, so can you, you know, can you vouch for me and add you to my corporate accounts? And we do that all the time. And, uh, beyond that, another tip that you can do is you can start by getting a very small credit card in which you put down a deposit. They're called secured credit cards. And you want to find ones that, uh, that will report that history to the credit bureaus as well. And on the website that I created for my book, anthonymdavenport.com, I have a list of uh, credit cards that will work for authorized users, as well as a list of those that are secured cards that will report that history to the credit bureaus as well. And if you do those two steps, you're going to avoid 99% of the issues that most foreign nationals face when they come here. That's great information. So the secure credit card, just to, just to clarify then, you're essentially giving the bank or you're giving the, the card provider, for example, $1,000. And in return for that, he'll very kindly give you $1,000 worth of credit. So you're spending your own money, but it's, it's putting you on the radar of the credit agencies. Is that right? That's exactly right. And then typically after about a year, they take the training wheels off and they'll say, Hey, you know, you gave us $200. Your limit was $200. Now they'll say, okay, your limit's a thousand and it will periodically be reviewed to increase further. So what happens when things change? So let's just say, for example, somebody um, has a collection and it appears on their credit report. A, what kind of damage is that going to do? And B, what can that person do about it? That's a great question because 35% of Americans have collections on their credit report. And typically, they're related to uh, medical billing issues. And the reason they come about, in short, is because uh, when you go to the doctor or the hospital or the ER or whatever, they're going to bill your insurance company. And your insurance company hates to pay claims in full. And any balance stuck in the middle, they can just sell to a third-party debt collector and they put it on your credit report and it will destroy your credit. Uh, we see collections having an impact of typically 70 to 100 points. That much? So it's massive. It is absolutely massive. And, uh, and it comes about just because we have a very flawed system with healthcare. But that's a whole other podcast discussion. <laughs> yeah. um, so... And, and, and the, the other part that's really frightening is that most people that are responsible, they pay their bills, they pay their taxes. If they get a letter in the mail that says, hey, we've reported you to the credit bureaus. And, you know, Simon, you're, you're one of these responsible types. Um, Thank you. you. Know, and, 
<laughs> I'm not putting myself on that boat, but, uh, you know, if, if, if you were to get a letter that states, you know, Simon, you went to the doctor, uh, the insurance company didn't pay 50 bucks. We reported it to the bureaus. What would you do? I get my checkbook out and pay 50 bucks as quickly as I could. And that's what make, most make people go away. And that is the worst thing in the world you could ever do for your credit. Okay. You're going to have to explain that. <laughs> I should have prefaced it with this is not going to make any sense whatsoever, but most of the world of credit doesn't make sense. So when a collection company has already reported it to the bureaus, the damage is done. And if you pay it, it's like admitting guilt. And the funky thing is they will update the report date on the credit report to make it look brand new. Even if it's reporting as a zero balance, the balance has nothing to do with how much of an impact it's having. It doesn't matter when it originated. It could be it could be from a debt four years ago. It could be a debt from a year ago. The only thing that matters is when the creditor last updated the credit bureaus. And what causes them to update it? Paying it. So you don't necessarily want to pay that collection. And, and you know, we, we cover it extensively in one of the chapters in the book. But if you call them up, and you say to them, look, I don't know what this is from. I'm not, I'm not acknowledging that, that this is mine, but I will give you the 50 bucks. If you give me a letter stating it, you're going to remove it from the credit bureaus. So it is in the hands of the collection agency. They have the, the capability to remove that uh, item on your report. 100% they do. So let me get this just just quickly get this straight. So I get a I get a uh, a collection letter, um, and say I fight it for a year, and in the end I say screw it, and I pay it. That on my report gets moved forward one year from the original date it was sent to me, and now it's it's it appears as a new item on my report by virtue of the fact that I paid it. Really? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I know it makes no sense, but if it's already on your credit report, that's the effect it's going to have. It's better if, I mean, when you get these letters, which everyone's going to get at some point, you should read the whole thing front and back, make sure that they haven't reported it. If they haven't reported it and you want to make sure that it never impacts your credit, then call them up and say, I'll pay this, but I want to guarantee that it's never going to be reported to the credit bureaus. And what if it has been reported? What options are open to you then? And you have to start negotiating with them to get them to delete it. And if they won't do it, then hire a professional company that is experienced with it and knows how to beat them over the head. Got it. These are mean, nasty, awful people. I mean, how would you like it as a job where your job is to call up people and say, hey, I know that you got a bill that you probably don't agree with, but give me the money. <laughs> um, well, uh, while we're on this subject, what are, the, what are the other big mistakes that you typically see consumers making with their credit? The biggest one by far is that people don't know where to actually go to get the same credit report as the lending institutions use. Well, here's, here's a secret um, because a lot of people, you know, say, Oh yeah, you can go to credit karma, credit Sesame, or my credit card company gives me my FICO score each month. That's gotta be accurate, right? Yeah. No, 
No, it's not. Um, you, you get it for free, and that's because it's worth exactly what uh, what you paid for it. So this is a secret that I don't even mention in my book. But there's a URL you can go to because the government wants you to be able to have access to the same credit reports that lending institutions are using, not the BS ones on Credit Karma or Credit Sesame or bureaus give you even. They, they've created this because the government is always out there to solve your problems. And here's the website, www.itdoesn'tfriggin'exist.com. <laughs> Oh God. If you're, if you're feeling like this whole thing is a game that's rigged against you, I've explained it correctly. They don't want you to know. So they give you access to all these crap reports that mean nothing. The scores on them are never accurate. The data behind them is, is very limited. They only show you up to two years of history where lending institutions are looking at seven years. You, you have to understand that it's going to be up to you to figure out how to get access to these real reports and then how to read them. And, you know, we mentioned uh, early in the book several examples of how to actually get your hands on a copy of one of these reports and then how to read them. Because I'm tired of hearing all these commercials that are saying, check your credit, check your credit, check your credit. And A, those reports are garbage. And B, what does it matter if you don't know how to read the thing? Right. Uh, I could get lab results for a tet from from my doctor, but I don't know what they mean. <laughs> you know, so we we really we really took time to explain to people, hey, this is what you're looking at. This is what it should look like, and then this is what to do if it doesn't look the right way. Um. Well, my next question to you was going to be, uh, what are some of the strangest things you've seen? with with uh consumers and credit i mean but you've 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 just rattled off about 10 um any any you've missed yeah there's there's one really key one to, to explain to people again remember that income and assets don't weigh in uh fame level doesn't weigh in i deal with a lot of famous people it's, they they need their credit too and they run into the same issues but you have to remember that when you're thinking of your FICO score, you can't assume that just because you pay your bills on time that you have a great FICO score. And that's because only 35% of your FICO score comes down to whether you actually pay your bills on time. 35 Say that again, Anthony. 35% of your FICO score comes down to whether you pay your bills on time. 65% of it has nothing to do with whether you're paying your bills on time. What does it have to do with? And this is the bulk that most people can control. Because sometimes you say, hey, life hit me in the mouth. I, I, I couldn't make that payment. I missed it. It is what it is. But you can control the other 65%. And 30% of it comes down to that revolving credit card balance that we talked about. Right. And again, that's per card. So back to the whole BP gas credit card at a $500 limit, that has a drastic impact on your score almost as much as if you missed a payment. So you have to keep those credit card balances in check. Uh, another 15% comes down to uh, the length of credit history you have. Again, for those newbies that, that you know just got out of college or 
uh, just moved here from abroad, they're really hurt by that 15% because they just don't have a depth of history. Uh, 10% of it comes down to a variety of credit. And then the final 10% comes down to uh, your, your inquiries, how often you're applying for credit. Most people lose sleep over that. I'm here to tell you, you don't have to lose sleep over a single inquiry, not impacting you. Right. That's the thing that, yeah, people get all, all bent out of shape about that. Oh, I'm not going to check my credit score because it's going to ding my credit score. Yeah, everyone's definitely afraid of doing it. And the funny thing is um, the reports that you get from, from you know, credit monitoring and stuff like that, they always tout, hey, this doesn't count as an inquiry. It's just a soft inquiry. It doesn't have any impact. And the reason is because it's not a real credit report. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's a very soft inquiry. Very, very soft. Feather light touch. Andy, you've, uh, I think, uh, more than any podcast I've, uh, I've done so far, this one's been jam-packed full of great information. Um, but to get more information, you, you've referred uh, during, this, uh, during our chat to the book you've written. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? And also, if anybody's listening to this um, and wants to know more about uh, you, your firm and your services, how do they get in touch? Yeah, so our firm is called Regal Credit Management. Uh, the website is regalcredit.com. We have offices in New York and L.A. We incorporated in London to help the, uh, the Brits, such as yourself, move here and relocate and get their credit set up. Uh, the book is called Your Score, An Insider Secrets to Understanding, Controlling, and Protecting Your Credit Score. Uh, it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc. cetera. Uh, in fact, we made the Amazon Top 100 after Oprah included an excerpt of the book in her magazine and weekly newsletter. That's great. I, I will put a, a link to the, uh, to the book on the, uh, on the notes for this podcast. Um, Fantastic. Anthony, thank you so much for this. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure the listeners have got a lot from it. Uh, I will see you when you get back to the proper coast of, uh, of the U.S. <laughs> uh, with the humidity, I can tell you today, the humidity is coming down, so... Get yourself back here as soon as possible. Um, but in the meantime, thanks so much for this. Much appreciated. And uh, guys, I'll be back with another guest in uh, a short period of time. Take care. Thanks for having me, Simon. You're welcome. Bye-bye.